Welcome to the Truly Nourished Podcast. My name is Rebecca Laurel Hill. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and life wellness expert. This podcast has one mission, to help women heal their relationships with food and transform how they nourish themselves in body, in mind, and in soul. Each episode, we dive into teachings and tools that help you find your peace with food, more enjoyment living in and caring for your body, and more happiness and fulfillment in your life overall. If you're ready to feel like a truly nourished woman, you're in the right place. Let's get started. beautiful listeners. Thank you for being here. On this week's episode, we are continuing where I left off last week. I'm sharing five more principles to feel like a truly nourished woman in your life. Be sure to listen to episode 45 to get all of the principles because these really are essential aspects of how I approach my food, my exercise, my body, and my life. And they are what I live by and believe in. And they help me feel like a truly nourished woman who is living her best life. And I think that every woman who practices and lives these can experience the same, a life you love and feeling healthy, vibrant, empowered, joyful, and and at ease most every day of your life. So let's get started with the seventh principle of feeling like a truly nourished woman is to discover your real satisfaction with food and in life. I believe that pleasure is part of living a healthy life. But when we chase a certain body ideal or chase weight loss or restrictive eating to feel in control of our bodies, all this craziness to be thin or healthier that we can fall into, with that, we easily disconnect from pleasure and satisfaction that is what should be found in the eating experience. But when we allow ourselves to eat what we love, when we derive satisfaction from the food that we eat, that pleasure we experience is really a powerful force that allows us to feel content. And when we feel this satisfaction and contentment with what we're eating most all of the time, we discover, and I speak from also my own experience here too, that it takes less food to feel like we've had enough to eat. The other aspect of satisfaction I want to talk about is finding an even deeper feeling of satisfaction in your life as a whole. And this ties back to one of the previous principles I mentioned last week of honoring your true hungers for your mind and soul. I believe that to find deep satisfaction in our life, we must live in a peaceful mind most of the time And also really know what we're truly hungry for in our life at a soul level and discover that if we don't already know. Because then when we begin to allow ourselves to do some of this taste testing of new things that excite us, maybe you have an idea of wanting to try something new in your life, but but perhaps make a judgment about it, create a story about why you should not or why you cannot, that's what can happen. But if you allow yourself to Just go ahead and try these things that excite you, that make you feel curious, things that you want to explore. When we allow ourselves to follow these pulls that we're feeling from our soul, that's how we live a truly satisfying life. The eighth principle to feel like a truly nourished woman is to feel your fullness and your enoughness. So first of all, feeling your physical fullness, your physical body cues for when you've had enough to eat is something that we must consistently practice to feel truly nourished and satisfied. If we're most often eating past our comfortable fullness level, it doesn't create that satisfying eating experience that we're truly seeking. Getting over full takes a lot of that pleasure out of the eating experience, right? And believe me, I have spent many days of my life feeling stuffed. One of the things that I am most grateful for right now in my life, and I have been for some time now, is that I never experience that stuffed feeling anymore. Of course, there's maybe occasional meals where I get a little more full than normal, but the days of feeling stuffed 
are gone. And I have arrived at this place by doing all of these things that I've been sharing and teaching last week and this week on the episodes. Now, at a very practical level, sometimes it's just about being able to recognize that fullness signal in the body, in your body. Part of being able to attune, tune into our body and connect to our body is feeling the cues and signals of different levels of fullness because there are different levels of fullness. This is the first step because we can't honor the signals if we're not even sensing them. So being able to connect, attune to our body is important. And I mentioned on last week's episode some of those important things that have to shift so that we can be in this connected place with our body. And I've been there too, where I couldn't sense my fullness until I was over full. And often this happens when we're up in our minds while eating or being distracted by what's around us and not being in tune with our body while we're eating. And when that's happening, we miss the fullness signal until it's really strong and we're over full. What we want to do is be able to sense the more subtle, comfortable fullness signals and also honor them. And part of being able to do this comes from being first present with our food as we're eating and really tasting our food and experiencing our food as we're eating it, but also just in our bodies in general, not analyzing what we're eating, not overthinking what we're eating, not being distracted by our mind. Fullness can also be impacted by the types of food that we eat. If we eat foods that don't fill us up, such as airy, like they're fluffy types of foods, some of those diet product foods can be this way. And we can find ourselves eating and eating because we're not getting the sustenance our body really needs in order to feel nourished. So there are some nutritional things and food quality things that can play into feeling that fullness and satisfaction as well. But as I just kind of mentioned, the other aspect of feeling our fullness is deciphering between physical hunger and emotional hunger. If we are eating for emotional reasons or just all up in our head, thinking and not being present with our food, um, you know, using emotional distraction is some, a way that we will then turn to food to fill us up, fill up a need when there's not a need for food, right? There's like the emotional hunger and we're not really recognizing that it's not related to food at all, or maybe we are, but we're still trying to fill it up with food. And in these situations, we can very easily overeat past our comfortable fullness. However, there is a process called effective emotional eating, which I'm going to be teaching in my emotionally empowered course, which is going to be coming up in next year, 2024. And Effective emotional eating helps you begin to release the habit of emotional eating in a way that feels safe and doable and not overwhelming because I believe this is very, very important. If you identify with being an emotional eater, oftentimes you can feel a bit of fear of what do I do when I'm feeling these strong emotions and I'm not going to be turning to food. What do I do with those emotions? That is definitely something that will be addressed and taught in Emotionally Empowered. But this piece I call effective emotional eating is something that I'm going to teach you that helps you to begin to move away from emotionally using food in a way that is safe feeling and not overwhelming. Now, the next part of this principle is feeling your enoughness as a person What this means is thinking, believing, and feeling like you are enough as a person in your life. So it's about feeling like you're worthy of what you want, feeling like you're deserving of what you want, feeling like you're valuable and have things to offer, and also feeling like you are in charge of yourself and can say no when you really want to say no, and feeling like you don't have 
to people please. All because you have this deep sense of enoughness and feeling of self-worth. And with that feeling of your enoughness, it's allowing you to go after the things that you truly want to go after in your life, the true hungers that I talked about last week, because you do believe you are enough to have them, to hold them, and to do them. When we feel this sense of I am enough, it impacts how we relate to food as well, especially if we eat for emotional reasons, where at the root of these feelings of not feeling good enough or not feeling like you are enough for what you want or feeling like you're not enough to show up and say what you want to say can be these emotions that arise. So this feeling of I'm not enough can manifest in our life in various ways. But when we can at the core heal and shift that, it also often helps improve things like emotional eating. I mentioned my future offering just a moment ago called Emotionally Empowered. This course will help you become a woman who is skilled at managing her emotions, and I will also help you develop an even greater sense of your enoughness because I believe that we can all always go on another level deeper in that. This is work that I have really focused on a lot over the years myself, and I have grown more confident in many ways But I know there is always another level to go because as we step into greater versions of ourselves, we encounter experiences we've never encountered before, never had before. And sometimes old ways of thinking and feeling can resurface in these new experiences. And the feeling of I'm not enough can show up in these new situations. Therefore, I really think it's essential that we continue to practice embodying the feeling of I am enough, no matter how far we've come in our level of confidence and certainty within ourselves. There's always another level to go. And so that's one of the things that we'll be talking about in that course, Emotionally Empowered, that's coming next year. The ninth principle to feel like a truly nourished woman is to experience your emotions with kindness and calm. The word calm might seem confusing because sometimes our emotions don't feel very calm, right? If we're upset or stressed about something, we're not calm. So what I mean here is in these situations where we feel uncomfortable or intense emotions, instead of allowing ourselves to get wrapped up in the emotion by making a story about the emotion and by judging the emotion in some way or by attaching a meaning to it, such as I'm feeling sad, therefore my life is terrible or I'm hopeless because I feel sad, you know, attaching meanings to a feeling, just insert choice of phrase. We can make all sorts of meanings about how we're feeling. So instead of making a story about the feeling that we're experiencing, we can just have it be a feeling. However, we typically tend to attach all that meaning to our feelings, and this is where the suffering starts to happen. I had a past episode on emotions. I believe it was episode 40 where I talk about how emotions are just energy coursing through our body at a cellular level. So when we're feeling different types of emotions, whether it's joy or sadness, anger, peace, embarrassment, or anywhere in between, they're all just energetic vibrations created at the cellular level by chemical reactions in our body through the way that our brain chemistry and body chemistry are being activated at that moment. So feelings are literally energetic vibration sensations in our body, which means that feelings themselves are neutral. They don't have any meaning until we give them a meaning by the story we create about them. So feelings are just sensations, just like taste is a sensation, just like physical touch is a sensation. And the challenges for us come in when we start to create these unhelpful stories about our feelings. 
So when I say feel your feelings with calm, what I mean is being the observer of your feelings instead of the judger, the story maker, the meaning maker about your feelings. Because once again, when we start attaching all the meaning and making all the stories, that's where suffering comes in because we can have discomfort and that's just what it is. It passes, but suffering is what lingers and we're always carrying with us and we don't want that. So when we can just feel our feelings, which is something I'm going to specifically be teaching in Emotionally Empowered, when we can just feel our feelings without making stories about them and without overthinking them and without attaching all sorts of meanings to them, when we can just feel them, they dissipate through our body much faster. It's sort of like digestion. Just like we digest our food, our body will digest or metabolize our feelings, our emotions, and they'll neutralize and go away when we just allow those chemical reactions to complete and run their course in our body. Research has shown that An emotion has the lifespan of about 90 seconds if we just fully feel it and allow our body to process it. However, if we start making stories up in our mind about it, making judgments about it, creating all that meaning about it, that's when it lingers. That's the suffering. So here's examples of just feeling your feelings without attaching meaning. I'm feeling the sensation of anger up in my head. I'm feeling the sensation of sadness in my throat, like the lump in the throat. I'm feeling the sensation of fear or anxiety in my belly. I'm feeling excitement in my solar plexus. This is just literally sensing your feelings, feeling your feelings. And the reason I say it like this is because there tends to be different areas of our body where we will feel certain feelings. And so when we're really feeling our feelings, this is what we're experiencing. We're feeling it in our body, in that area of our body. It's just like this neutral sensation. It doesn't become bad until we make the meaning about it. Now, All feelings are important because, number one, they're part of living the human experience, which we came here to do. But number two, they're like a compass to give us direction. Our feelings will indicate our beliefs and our ways of thinking about things. For example, if we think scary thoughts all the time, if we believe in doom and gloom and that's the chatter in our mind or let's say we watch the news every day and so we're just being given this all the time and that's what our mind is focused on, we're probably going to feel scared or anxious a lot of the time in our life because that's where our mind is focusing. That's our thinking that's happening. Thoughts create feelings. But if we focus on, oh, my life is good and I'm so happy just, you know, having a different focus on what is good because there's always good things and we list all the reasons why life is good and why we can be happy, we're going to feel in an elevated mood much of the time and we do have to guard ourselves. This is an important part. Like I never watch the news. I don't even watch regular TV. That's just something I've chosen in my life because I never felt desire towards it. It it felt draining energetically. So if I'm going to have something on a screen, I want to be able to deliberately choose exactly what I'm consuming. So that's why I do the subscription things like Netflix and whatnot. So, you know, to really feel at peace in our lives, we have to sometimes put up these, uh, boundaries or barriers in that way and make deliberate choices to not allow our minds to absorb things that truly are not going to serve us and help us feel good in our day-to-day life. And I believe personally that the news is very sensationalized. You know, there is um, funding and commercialization in the news service, as we know, that, you know, drives them to broadcast things that are going to get views and what gets views more than not getting views is the 
over horrific type of stuff or this the fear driven stuff they as you know from experience if you watch the news regularly they very rarely have the positive happy stories or if they do they always put them at the very very end of the news broadcast because for this reason that our primal brain our animal part of our brain loves to react to scary things. And so they know that if they put the scary stuff out there in the headlines and in the broadcast primarily, that they're going to have more viewers. It's just really a primal part of our, our biology. And so we have to be aware of these things. And so we have to choose how we're going to receive our news. I'm not saying that we should live in the dark and not know what's going on. But what I like to do is if I if I hear something through the grapevine, I want to decide whether I want to deliberately go look it up online and read about it or not. I don't want it to just be like thrown at me and I have to take it in. So that's what I mean by having some barriers up so that we can uh, nourish our minds the way that we want to be nourishing them. That was a bit of a tangent. However, getting back to the topic at hand... If we are focused on all that bad stuff, that's where our mind is. We're going to feel those feelings. And the other thing I want to talk about is that often, and you know, depending on who we are and how much history we have as far as traumatic things that maybe have happened to us, and trauma has a whole spectrum. I mean, there's you know, trauma like PTSD type of trauma, which is the severe type that we typically need to process through uh, therapies and whatnot. But then there's just the smaller traumas that can happen when we've had heightened emotional responses to things. And our brain remembers this and stores it and carries it with us. And so we can have these triggers that come up, that feel like they come up out of nowhere and these are just emotions that have been stored in our subconscious part of our mind. So, for example, let's say if you were a child, just a very simple example to help you know what I mean. Let's say you were chased by a dog. And now there's still part of you that feels some fear whenever you see a certain breed of dog. That's because the traumatic experience you had many, many years ago has not fully processed out of your body yet. And sometimes we have to do some work to fully release old emotions if we still feel these strong triggers from past traumas that, you know, maybe are affecting our current life. And and But traumas can be super strong and we need to get help to process them. Or they can just be these little day-to-day things, yet they drain us in certain ways. And they're kind of like a burden that we're always having lurking on our back. Now, the most important thing to remember about feelings is that they're always going to happen as long as we're alive, right? But we do have the power to not let them run our life. And the way we do that is by not creating stories and making meanings about our feelings, even about our traumas. Like if you are someone who has traumatic things that have happened to you, to not make an identity around them. Like this is who I am and this is who I'll always be. I'll always be this person who went through this. You know, this is not my area of expertise and any of that, but I know that when we do the right work with our emotions and the releasing of them and make a firm decision that we're not going to be this in our identity, that life can just really open up for people. So, you know, we don't want to create stories, make meanings about them, and we especially don't want to make them part of our identity. Instead, we want to let them be feelings, and we want to gain the skill of feeling them and processing them by just witnessing them and letting them be there until they metabolize. So like in the moment when you're experiencing a feeling, it's just to feel it and allow it to pass through you. And I find that moving our body is a great way to metabolize feelings. Last week, I talked about all the stuff about the body, right? 
And this is one of the reasons why I think the body is incredible and why I love moving my body is this metabolizing of feelings, coming back to neutrality, to the relief if we're feeling a stronger emotion. So this can be as simple as going for a walk. It could be going out and exercising in some way or just dancing around your house or your office or wherever you are. Also deep breathing, things like breath work, but you don't even need to necessarily have a breath work practice. Sometimes just deliberate deep breathing or playing music to shift the vibrations because all of these things that I just mentioned, the body movements and the music, uh, also singing, they create other types of vibration in our body and this helps feelings to move through and metabolize and we start to feel the alleviation and the relief. People will say that, this is another thing, people will say that you need to talk about your feelings, like talk it out. And that is only partly true, in my opinion. Talking it out can help to better understand our thinking that's creating our feelings, such as the ideas, beliefs, and stories that are at the root of these feelings. So talking it out can give you some deeper clarity. But I believe that should come after we first metabolize the feeling and feel the calm and relief again. And then we can talk about it and try to understand it better. And we can also then make a decision from a place of clear, calm, collected energy. But if we are in a certain heightened emotional state and make a decision from that place, our emotions are going to be greatly influencing any decisions that we're making. And it may not be the truest decision that we want to make for ourselves. So I believe when emotions are strong, it's best to first move the energy by moving the body, by breathing, by singing, by music, by dancing, whatever moves the energy. It's it's typically a body type of thing. Um, once again, singing. And then once the neutral feeling is there, the, 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 the chemical reactions have kind of subsided and that neutral feeling that more, okay, I feel some relief comes in. Then we can go talk about it with whoever we want to talk about it and process it some more. Also, I just want to say crying is really good too. The, I love a good cry. The purpose of crying or even screaming into a pillow, if that's your thing, it's the, it's the same. It's to move and release the energy. It's the body moving and releasing the energy. This is emotional self-care, giving yourself the time and space to, to do what you got to do, to feel the feeling, to move the energy. And mastering how we handle our emotions is essential for feeling healthy and truly nourished in our lives and living our best life. Because if we're always making emotional decisions and reacting from emotion or if we're just always overwhelmed by our emotions because we're kind of in that place of suffering like attaching all the meaning to feelings then we're not going to be able to make the best and truest decisions for ourselves. so i believe like when we're making the decisions that that is true to us it's coming from our heart and our soul Heart and soul decisions are always going to come from that place of calm and clear or a feeling of joy or happiness. So our truest decisions and actions from those decisions are always going to come from a place of feeling good to feeling in alignment with our true self. So as truly nourished women, we love ourselves which includes granting ourselves permission to be human. I think I talked about that last week. And the willingness to feel the full spectrum of emotions in the human experience. So we don't judge our feelings as good or bad, as right or wrong. Because if we judge all our feelings and create negative meanings about them, it's going to slow us down. It's going to hold us back in our life in some sort of way or another. So we have to accept and give ourselves permission to feel the spectrum of emotions as being a human. And this 
is what I believe a healthy person does, embraces all of our emotions and just fully feels them. And I believe this is what leads to a happy and meaningful life because we aren't holding on to these emotions and being burdened by them. Whereas if we constantly try to escape from our emotions or just deny them, pretend they're not there or suppress them in some way, it doesn't lead to a healthy, happy, meaningful life because the emotions don't get processed. They stay with us and we just carry them around. They're always lurking beneath the surface in some way and they start to add up, to bubble up and get heavier and heavier until we either break down in some way or we blow up in some way. So instead of having that happen, let's feel them. Let's neutralize them in the moment when they show up. So in the moment, it's about making choices that allow you to move the energy out, just like all the things I mentioned, and then allowing greater sense of calm, of ease, of peacefulness to move in, the relief. So in the moments when the feelings arise, it's about being committed to taking care of yourself at that moment. That's what truly nourished women do and practice. And often, if feeling your feelings is a new practice for you, maybe you typically react to your feelings or stuff them down or deny them, Maybe you react by going to food or stuff them down by going to food or pretend they're not there by going to eat the food or or something else. Food is just one way, but it's obviously the thing that I'm skilled at teaching about. Then if that's happening, then you may still react for a while instead of pausing to feel and process. And that's okay. I Once again, we're not judging ourselves here. Wherever you're at is where you're at that's fine. But it just realized that it's a practice and a skill that we learn over time to feel our feelings. So if you do react for a while, that's fine. And and this is where the coaching comes in. Sometimes we literally need to learn how to feel our feelings and just learn what feelings are because we've never been taught that. It's not something we learn in school, right? But If we stay in this practice of just feeling our feelings, moving the energy, allowing that feeling of relief to come in before we make a decision, before we take an action, it becomes easier and more natural not to react as long as we just keep practicing this. Because what happens is just like any habit or skill that we continually practice over time, It just becomes natural who we are. So we can go from a person who reacts to our emotions, right, in all the ways I just mentioned, into a person that feels them but does not react, who is very what I call emotionally empowered. And that's, once again, what the emotionally empowered course is going to be all about. But I just want to give you some reassurance that don't worry if you continue to react. Just take this with you and remember that, oh, I can practice this. I can practice moving the energy. I can practice just allowing it to pass through me and wait for that period of relief before I move on to whatever is the next thing. Moving on to the 10th principle of feeling like a truly nursed woman is to move your body with joy, for the joy of it, for the fun of it, for the freedom in it. I believe this is so important. This is why I move my body and why I love exercise. And I've discussed healing your relationship with exercise in a past episode. It was number 16. So if you do have a difficult relationship with movement or exercise, that episode is going to be super perfect for you. I can say that one thing that I have very much mastered in my life is loving daily exercise. I think... I was born a little bit that way. I know I was born a little bit that way. I always was a super active child running around outside, constantly like climbing trees, doing all the things, just 
playing and moving my body. Even in the sub-zero Minnesota winters where I was raised, I still was running around moving my body. And I just have a love of moving my body and living in my body. So I feel like I am an expert to guide people in this. However, there was a time in my life where it was also an addiction. It had become an addiction and was definitely not serving me at all. I was an exercise bulimic. If you've listened to my episodes, if you've been in my world, you know that. And today I'm totally healed from the compulsion of, you know, of exercise and I'm back to the truest version of me in the sense that I still love to move and it's one of the easiest things for me to do consistently in my life. And one of the ways I got there is this principle. I move for the fun of it. I do it for the joy of it. I do it for the freedom it allows me to feel in my body. Exercise is not exercise to me. It's a way of life. It just feels so good to me and it adds so much value to my life. So I really believe to feel like a truly nourished woman, it's super important to enjoy living in our bodies. It's essential because our bodies are designed to move. That's why we have arms and legs. But the important thing is each of you has to find the type of movement you love and you have to find out why you love it. This is a very personal thing. And just like we have to release dieting and the diet mentality, the rules around food that we can have in our mind, the having the right and the wrong ways of eating, it's just like we have to release that way of thinking, we also have to release any way of thinking that there's a right or wrong way to move our body. There's no right or wrong way. There's your way, the way that makes you feel joy, you feel free, you feel have like you're having fun. And I know we can have these sort of difficult relationships with movement if we've primarily used exercise as only a way to lose weight or to manage weight or to change our body shape. If that's always what set us out to exercise, then we can sometimes have a challenging relationship with it and it can be an area that we need to work on and maybe need to heal. And I believe that one of the ways to heal your relationship with movement is to release all and any rules you may have about the type, amount, or intensity of the movement. And be curious about what movement for you, if you don't already know, just start to play with the ideas. Maybe even just look around on the internet. What forms of movement would be fun and joyful and feel freeing to you? I I just want to share this example of that really helps to express what I'm talking about here. I once knew a person who was an ultra runner. I used to hang out in that crowd here in Colorado. And ultra runners run these super far distances, like 50 mile races and 100 mile races, typically on mountain trails. And this person was not a racer. He had done a few races, but he didn't really think of himself in that way. But he would run with all the racers and train with them. And people would ask, why are you running these long distances just for fun if, you know, you're not competing? And he would always say, I run for life. He just loved to run and he loved to run in this way, in these extreme ways. And I fully get that. He did it because the challenge of it allowed him to feel alive and free and he was up in these beautiful mountains doing it, which brought him joy. He was just celebrating life with movement. And because he loved how it felt to live in his body and experience life in this way. So be curious, what is this going to be for you? What are you going to do it just for the life of it? Maybe you already know exactly what it is, but if you don't, the first step is to just be curious, maybe brainstorm some ideas of what you could try. So this is about finding your way of moving that you love, that you want to do every day or most every day so that you look forward to showing up for it consistently. You just really look forward to it. It doesn't feel like a have to. It feels like, oh, I really want to. Not that we never have 
things in our schedule that shake us up or whatever, but it's just having it become who you are. Like I'm a person who just moves in this way. This is what I love to do. This is part of my life and my lifestyle. That's what we do as truly nourished women. We love living in our bodies through movement and that can look a hundred different ways. Okay. That's the important thing. A hundred different ways. It doesn't have to look like going for going to the gym in any way or form. If you love going to the gym, great. But if not, don't ever feel like that's what you should be doing. The 11th principle of feeling like a truly nourished woman is to practice what I call sensual nutrition. This is a concept that I came up with years ago. I had actually written a book proposal. I had found a literary agent years ago. And then it was, this is around the time of Hurricane Katrina. I think it was 2005. I was going to write a cookbook slash wellness book called Sensual Nutrition, all about the healthful qualities of food that are derived from the sensual aspects of food. And who knows, I still might write this book. You never know. I just don't feel as called to it anymore. But, um, but yeah, I lost my literary agent because she was dealing with Hurricane Katrina and I don't know, it just kind of like evaporated out of my life and that was fine. This was also when I was in my eating disorder. So I had a lot of distractions. So that book never happened. But I did write a book, which was always a lifelong dream. I wrote It's Just Food, which you can find on Amazon. Um, So I feel satisfied in that area. But what sensual nutrition is about is really experiencing what you eat with all of your senses Another aspect of this is choosing variety in the appearance, in the smell, in the texture, in the feel, in the taste of the food that you eat. So sensual nutrition is about deriving sensual pleasure from your food. We're using all our senses and also allowing the vast abundance of food that we have available to us to be part of our lives So be willing to try new things, to try new ways of preparation or cooking, to try new herbs or spices, new fruits and vegetables. Just be curious and adventurous in this beautiful world of food that we have. All of the senses, different textures, different colors, different ways of preparation, the plate presentations that we can do, just the beauty of food. Let's use our senses. But with that, realizing that the sensory variety that we get with food is also directly correlated with the types of nutrition that it can provide to us. For example, the pigments in plant foods, whether it's grains, legumes and beans, fruits and vegetables, all the different colors that we can see in these types of plant foods come from pigments in these plant foods. And all of these pigments play nutritional roles in our body once we consume them. A very, very basic example is beta carotene. It offers that orange color we see in things like carrots and squash and various plants that are orange. Beta carotene is very important nutritionally. And there's all sorts of other things, what we call phytochemicals, phyto meaning plant chemicals, that are powerful nutritional sources for our body. So nutrition can be so much more fun when we really tap into both the pleasure of food and the beauty of food with our senses. So as you go about your day, today, tomorrow, think about how you can feel the textures of your food more while you're eating it. Think about choosing an abundance of colorful foods. Think about the smells and aromas of food, the herbs, the spices you can add. I always imagine... The smell of fresh picked strawberries. Have you ever gone to a strawberry farm and picked strawberries? And some of those aroma compounds from strawberries also have health producing benefits. I also think about all the blues and the reds and the greens and the purples and the oranges and yellows that we can have in all the different types of plant foods. The beauty of food, the different colors of different type of types of baked breads, different types of grains. We have so many different types of grains out there, right? In the world, amaranth and, well, wheat, of course, and quinoa, which is actually a seed, and millet, and, you know, there's a lot. There's so many different um, 
grains that we can experiment with too, different kinds and varieties of rices. There's something called black rice, which has a purple pigment to it with healthful qualities because of that pigment. So this is just all fabulous nutrition and healing for our bodies that we should pay attention to and appreciate and enjoy. Also thinking about the cultural aspects that are tied to different types of food and spices, especially food is just a super fun thing when we allow it to be. I love ginger. I love turmeric, rosemary, cinnamon, oregano, cumin, cilantro, and there's so many more. Have you ever been to a Penzi's spice shop if you have those by you or just a spice shop in general? I mean, so many different varieties of spices that we can play with. There are just, um, also wonderful healing powers that come from the compounds and spices too. Herbs also are a powerhouse of nutrition that is so overlooked. And there's been research too. If you want papers, I can provide them. (laughs) I'm a nerd. Um, I, I really believe a truly nourished woman needs to add a lot of herbs and spices to her life. Like metaphorically, but literally too. Let's spice it up because the literal herbs and spices, they not only make our food taste incredible, they just also amplify the healthful quality of our meals. So that's sensual nutrition. It's bringing pleasure into our food experience in all the ways that we can through our senses and by caring about our food. And this all ties back into feeling more satisfaction too. It's about the quality of the food and the quality of the eating experience. And that allows us to feel more satisfied and not over desire food so much. We can be satisfied with less because we're deriving a deeper level of pleasure and satisfaction from what we are eating. And we are really experiencing it and focusing on it with our senses in both the eating experience, but also in the choosing of the food and the preparing of the food. So those are the remaining principles. Once again, be sure to listen to last week's. There's some good stuff in that episode. But let's recap. So the first principle, which was last week's episode, is practicing self-kindness, self-patience, and self-compassion. The second principle is finding appreciation and joy living in your body. It's all about the relationship with your body. The third is to release dieting mindset and any methods that you might have and hold related to dieting. The fourth is to honor true hungers for your body, your mind, and your soul. The fifth is to find peace with food. The sixth principle is to elevate your self-talk to empress level. Again, that's last week's episodes. Now, and this week we talked about the seventh principle to discover your real satisfaction with food and in life. The eighth to feel your fullness and your enoughness as a person. The ninth is to experience your emotions with kind and calm. The 10th is to move your body for the joy of it, for the fun of it, for the freedom in it. The 11th principle is to practice sensual nutrition. And I do have a bonus. As I thought about it, I was like, ooh, I have to add this. This is super important. So there is a 12th principle that I want to share, and that is quality sleep. A truly nourished woman values quality sleep. This is another thing that I have mastered in my life is my sleep. I love my sleep and I will not compromise it unless I absolutely have to, such as catching an early flight or something like that. I just know my body very well. It's on a circadian clock and I love to honor that because I feel so much better. And there's also more and more research coming out all the time on circadian health and the importance of aligning to our body clock in the best ways that we can. And staying connected to nature in that way. Our body is part of nature. We have to remember that. The only exceptions for myself, like I said, in compromising my sleep is an early flight. Or if I have to take a red-eye flight. Or if I'm flying across the world. Those are exceptions. However, in my everyday life, even when I'm traveling um, you know, to events or whatever, there can be that temptation to hang out and just go to bed later. (laughs) I will still go to bed, 
pretty close to my bedtime, even when I'm out doing those things, even when I'm on vacation, just because I know the power of quality sleep. So sleep, we know, as we know, it's just a foundation for our physical health and our mental health. And so if you have trouble sleeping, if you suffer in that way, where you're just kind of insomniac, if you haven't received help on that, please get help uh, in whatever way that you can f- to figure that out because a truly nourished woman gets to the root of that and gets it resolved in whatever way that you can. Um, whatever you have to do to get your sleep figured out, please do that for yourself. You're worth it. Your life is worth it. Your f- family is worth it. The people that you know need you to show up as your best self. However, on the other side of that, if you're just a person who's not valuing your sleep and you just don't hold your standards in that way, let's elevate to the standard of making quality sleep a priority every night. Believe me, you will love it. Your body will thank you. Your life will thank you. And just get curious and ask, how can I adjust my life or how can I adjust my daily habits? How can I elevate to a new standard so that quality sleep is possible for me so that I make it a priority? Because once again, research shows over and over that our bodies and our minds need this rejuvenation every night. Sleep is just a whole other vast topic, right? There's all sorts of stuff you can read on sleep hygiene and how to get a great night's sleep. I'm not going to teach that here, but I just wanted to mention that as truly nourished women, we make it a priority because it's a foundational pillar of living our best life. It also directly ties into our hormones and our stress hormones, and that directly ties into our hunger like I mentioned on last week's episode, and how we're going to relate to food. So sleep and food are directly correlated, and which is one of the reasons why I talk about it, but also it's just a foundation for living a really, really good life. So that's it, my friends. Last thing I want to mention is early enrollment for the peace process is open. This is the program and the coaching space to find your inner peace and your outer peace with food once and for all to quiet the food noise in your mind and to feel in your power around all foods, to feel like you have the natural ease and the natural control and empowerment in your relationship with food. So for any of you who enroll before January, you're going to get special pricing and a private coaching call with me before we we begin in late January, a call to activate and jumpstart you in the brand new direction of your new way of eating and being with food. If you want to get in on that, just message me on Instagram for all the details or email me at Rebecca Laurel. Hello at Rebecca Laurel All the stuff is in the show notes. My Instagram is at Rebecca Laurel Hill. That's how you can find me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm sending you so much love. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. Hello, beautiful listeners. If you enjoyed what you heard on today's episode, if you had some breakthroughs or an aha moment, I would absolutely love to hear what those were. Tag me at Rebecca Laurel Hill on Instagram, or you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me get an idea of what's landing, what you want to hear, and more of what you want to go deeper on so that I can serve you at the highest level. And if you can please share this podcast so that I can help more women, that would mean the world to me. Let's all rise and change this world together by living as truly nourished women. Thank you again for being here. I'll talk to you in the next episode.